All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Leo Tolstoy, Anna Karenina. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and I'm currently recording this during the COVID-19 quarantine, self-distancing, whatever you want to call it, of 2020. And I'm joined by my friend Laura to talk about some families in fiction that we would not want to be stuck in a house with for various reasons. This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. I am in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you knew that about me. I feel like I never mentioned that about myself. I'm totally kidding. Uh, but I was looking through and I actually found my local bookstore on here, Riverstones. So I was really excited so you can look through and find your local bookstore on there. You can choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the one I'm talking about. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. You can listen while doing chores, walking the dog, relaxing at home. I mean, we're all doing a lot of that right now. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and you just don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of Books in the Freezer can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Just go to Libro.fm, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code FREEZERBOOK. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. Thank you, Libro.fm. Thanks for joining me, Laura, for this very important topic again. (laughs) Did that sound like you were like, and you're on with Dr. Laura? (laughs) If only, no. (laughs) So how have you been doing during this whole... You know, thing. holding it together. Um, it's a it's a real life horror right now, uh, and we all get to see how we really would act in an apocalypse. So that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I guess in an apocalypse, I would really try to prioritize reading books on my bookshelf. Right. That's what I have learned about myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you? What have you been reading? Well, um, I am not reading horror right now. I just don't have the stomach for it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm reading Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, which I guess you could argue is even more depressing, but it doesn't have anything to do with an apocalypse or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just literary fiction. That's like a courtroom style drama thing, right? 
Yeah, it's a courtroom thriller. So I guess it's horror adjacent, but um, not horror. I feel like that got talked about on a lot of the book podcasts I listened to last year. Like that was like the it book. Yeah, so when I was did it come out? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, I was hearing a lot about it, and nobody said anything bad. And I thought, well, this sounds pretty good, so I decided to give it a try. <laughs> it has kind of short chapters from different perspectives, so it's a it's a good way to escape at this time. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I read The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Ooh. And as predicted, I loved it. It, it was like written. It was created in a lab for me. It was. That's what I thought <laughs> when I heard the description of it. I was like, this is the ultimate Stephanie book. <laughs> when he uh, came on the show, he like vaguely mentioned that he was working on like a a vampire novel but it was going to be more about parents and that's kind of all he said and ever since then I was like I need to know what this book is and I need it now (laughs) (laughs) yes agreed oh man and then the fried green tomatoes comparison which like personally I thought it was a little more steel magnolias because that's like Mm. a bunch of different like southern women like kind of coming together and they all have like really different personalities and they kind of like you kind of see a passage of time and like different things that they all go through together Mm -hmm. so I thought that was a little more what it was like but I just absolutely loved it I I can't say if I like it more than my best friend's exorcism, but it's like up there. Like those are wow. like fighting for my top. <laughs> <laughs> That's top ranking. Yeah. <laughs> and then I read like a true crime memoir book called You All Grow Up and Leave Me by Piper Weiss. Hmm. And I I'm still really conflicted about what I think about it. Yeah. Well, because it's like It's like she's looking back to the 90s, like when she was a freshman in high school and she grew up on the Upper East Side in New York City and she took private tennis lessons from this guy who was like a sexual predator and tried to kidnap one of the girls he gave lessons to and the kidnapping didn't work out and then he killed himself. Oh. So she's kind of looking back on her like proximity to this guy and that you know like he gave her private tennis lessons and uh he gave her like an extra day of lessons every week that he didn't charge her parents for and you know like he he drove her you know he would pick her up and drop her off so like she spent like a lot of time alone with him oh dear so it's just her kind of trying to like look back and make sense of all of this but at the same time it kind of had this like but why not me feeling of it that I'm just like not comfortable with? <laughs> yeah, not sure you really wanted to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah, well, because like, and like she's looking back at like her childhood and she's also talking about like all the times that, you know, she would go out with her friends and the guys would be much more interested in her friends than her romantically. Oh I'm my. like, I don't, I don't like these two stories side by side. <laughs> like, yeah, not really the comparison I would want to make, but <laughs> you do, you pipe. I don't know it felt a lot like Lena Dunham and girls where I'm like yeah this is very vulnerable and you're putting it out there but like I don't know if you should yeah (laughs) 
if that like, makes sense just kind reveal. of that yeah. like yeah uncomfortable like confessions where I'm like maybe maybe not it sucks because the book was written like the writing was really great mm-hmm. but yeah like the more I thought about it I'm like I don't I don't love this <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I, I I kind of felt that way about the book I read before Miracle Creek which was a sucky love story by Brittany Louise Taylor uh, people may be familiar with this from the Shane Dawson documentary series. She was in the ones about the Chuck E. Cheese pizza. And I just okay. had to find out what was going on with this book where she met a guy on Tinder and he was, she says, insanely hot. Um, not, don't agree to me, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Uh, and that he was very shady and lied about a lot of things, and uh, they had a baby together, and she suspected that he wanted to, like, sell her and the baby in human trafficking or something along those what? lines. And, like, maybe he just wanted to pretty much use you, Brittany Louise Taylor, but, you know, if, <laughs> if you think that could be uh, a motive, then far be it from me. You're the one who lived it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like a tell-all memoir type thing. Yeah. So we both read those and then went on to something else. <laughs> so we are here to talk about families we essentially would not want to be quarantined with. No way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we had a lot of fun coming up with this list. So I think the first one that I thought of, and I realize I talked about it very recently is Now You're One of Us by Asa Nonami. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you have to bring it back up. Uh, you cannot be quarantined with these people. <laughs> well, because on one hand, it's like you were quarantined with your in-laws and multiple generations of in-laws. Yes. As if that isn't bad enough. That's like the very basic. <laughs> that's not even getting into <laughs> these people. That's just like the outside looking in situation yeah i mean it was bad enough just being in the family let alone if you were quarantined with them (laughs) this was recently featured on the gothic horror episode i did with sean and it's um a japanese story where the main character swiftly marries her husband and she moves into a big house but like I just mentioned, it's multiple generations of her in-laws, so it's just yikes. And, you know, for spoiler reasons that we can't really go into, it's just messed up on a lot of levels. <laughs> yeah, you're you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say maybe there's some gaslighting and you kind of don't know what to believe. Until the end when you, you know what to believe and you don't want to believe in <laughs> Yeah, I think like a big part of it too is kind of the alienness of like family rituals and like going into someone else's family and kind of seeing how they do things. That can be bad enough even without anything weird going on. It's just a weird way that everything is normalized that as an outsider, you just don't relate to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, this is beyond like... Like we use an ice cream scoop in our casserole instead of like a, a pie serving fork or whatever. That can is be that weird. No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm like, oh, I thought you were saying like a personal experience. I'm like, oh, like, okay. <laughs> No, although we do have some uh, very dedicated utensils in my family for holidays. And, you know, if you if you put the wrong thing in the wrong thing because you just wanted a serving utensil, 
everyone else will freak out. <laughs> yeah, like my husband's family, when they make pies or anything, they'll just leave a fork in the pie plate and just cover it up with foil. So like, yeah. it's just there. It's just ready. Like when you want to scoop yourself a bowl out. <laughs> <laughs> a bowl <laughs> sorry when you want to scoop yourself up a slice I don't know how to talk well Thanks see that's catching. a family ritual too like if, if you are scooping your pie into a bowl and just kind of eating it in a homogenous way that's a whole other like foods touching each other and stuff a whole other family ritual yeah who needs a solid slice of apple pie when you can just have a mushy bowl of what was once apple pie <laughs> ingredients do we have anything else to say about the now you're one of us family which is hard because we can't we have to talk around it yeah we can't say what it is let's just say whatever you think it is it might be worse (laughs) it's pretty bad (laughs) it's so funny because i was looking on goodreads and i rated it very highly And there's some books when I rate them very highly and other people read them and don't rate them as high. I'm kind of like, why not? Like, it was great. This is one where, like, if someone reads it and gives it, like, two or three stars, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's not for everyone. (laughs) It's not for everyone. (laughs) Another thing about this book is that uh, I own a copy and my boyfriend actually gave it to me. I don't think he knew what it was, but it's another factor that it did come from him. Is it the one with the bar of soap on it? It is. Yes. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So he was intrigued by the cover art. Yeah. Like, ah. Laura would like this. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever this is, she's going to like it. Okay. So for our second family that we would not want to be quarantined with we kind of combine two because it's the same kind of idea it would be the family from baby teeth by zoe stage or we need to talk about kevin by lionel shriver they are both about families featuring children who appear to be evil and you know it's one thing when your kid won't behave or when they act out but these these kids seem to be having something more calculating going on The other aspect of this is that the moms in both books are not believed by their husbands and they think that the mom is overreacting. So there's a lot of gaslighting going on and it gets pretty freaky pretty fast. Yes. One of the differences between the two books is that in We Need to Talk About Kevin, I think we, I guess both books kind of focus on the gaslighting, but in We Need to Talk About Kevin, Ava also isn't sure if it's the fact that she had postpartum depression, like when she had Kevin and she didn't feel a closeness or an attachment to him right away, or if he was a bad seed and he was born evil. So she's kind of like not sure if this is her fault or not. And that's something she kind of goes back and forth with in the book. Yes. Like even when she was pregnant, she felt like maybe this was not great. Maybe something bad happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Franklin, her estranged husband in this just drives me insane yes he's very frustrating (laughs) because he I feel like is in love with the idea of American fatherhood and what that looks like and being a father to a son and kind of forces Kevin to fit that role even like though he clearly doesn't and refuses to believe anything Ava says about him 
and is constantly making excuses. And I'm really angry at John C. Riley for doing me like that. How could he? After all the support I give him, I love John C. Riley, and he <laughs> would too. go and play a role like this and break my heart. <laughs> How dare. In Baby Teeth, you kind of have the same situation where the mother is having an issue connecting with her child and is trying to talk to her husband about the things that the child is doing and complaints that she's getting from her preschool and the father refuses to see any of it and kind of starts to put that blame on the mother. So in baby teeth, she doesn't talk, but she'll talk to the mom and say these threatening things and pretend to be possessed. God. (laughs) Yeah. So then when she brings that up to her husband, you know, of course the daughter like won't talk or won't do any of those things when he's around. (laughs) So it's just that smart. So she's, yeah, she's like a ridiculous, like genius child. (laughs) I would say the biggest difference between the two is that in baby teeth, the girl is dead set on getting rid of the mom, like getting the mom out of the picture because she wants the dad to herself. Whereas I feel Kevin, his whole thing is he loves psychologically torturing his mother for like years on end. Like he is playing the long game. Yes. (laughs) It's a really interesting dynamic, and I actually read that book several times uh, about 10 years ago, and I would like to read it again. I just think the way that the family interacts, and this is why you wouldn't want to be quarantined with them, uh, it's just so fascinating. Like, not only Kevin and the dad, but also the, the younger sister who comes along. I think that the way that he uh, manipulates everyone and the way that he ultimately comes across is just fascinating so if you had to choose would you rather be stuck in a house with a child who is dead set on psychologically torturing you and manipulating everyone else or a small preschooler who is actively (laughs) trying to murder you or get you to leave Oh, man. You know, I really want to say that I would go with we need to talk about Kevin just because I stand that hard, but I can't do that. (laughs) That is not smart. I think that I would go with baby teeth because uh, perhaps I could record the child with modern technology and I feel more confident in my ability to overpower a small child, whereas, you know, Kevin got to be... A, a teenager which is bigger than you that's a little scary <sighs> that is one thing in baby teeth i was like just get your phone out yes <laughs> <laughs> they should have said it in the past it's true one cool thing is that it was set in pittsburgh so it's one of those things where i was reading and i was like hey i know where yeah, that is <laughs> represent <laughs> <laughs> what's that vine where the guy's like hey i do that i do that <laughs> Except it's me going, hey, I've been there. Perfect. Next up, we have Kin by Keelan Patrick Burke. And I am talking about the Merrill clan. This is a backwoods cannibalistic family that attacks a group of young people that are driving through Alabama. And this all happens before the novel opens. So like we open on final girl Claire kind of getting hit with her trauma. And then as the novel goes on, we meet the Merrill clan, which I read this, I want to say like three years ago, and I have not forgotten about the Merrill clan, (laughs) (laughs) which is saying something because I feel like when you read a lot, like there's not too many characters that stick with you, but I think about these people. (laughs) This 
is a family who has lingered in your mind. Yeah. This is like a backwoods family and they use a lot of like religion and twisted scripture to, you know, justify their actions and their way of life. And they're very isolated. And the mother, I will just say, is referred to as mama in bed. And the father is papa in gray. And these are the last people I would ever want to have as parents. Um <laughs> But if I was, I would, yeah, if I was, I would just definitely want them to always know that I was on their side. I think I would never want to, like, have to prove my loyalty to them. Yeah. Yeah, It's like when you watch a lot of, when you watch a lot of organized crime, like, if you're in the position where you have to prove your loyalty to the family, like, things are going bad. Yeah. Yeah. If they are questioning it, (laughs) I mean, they're not going to stop questioning it. Just try to stay loyal to begin with. That's another of our Enneagram six coming out right there. (laughs) Gotta be loyal. I think that's something I find so stressful about organized crime movies. (laughs) Yes. Is that if you do something or are suspected of doing something, even when people are nice to you and they put the hand on the shoulder and they say like, oh, don't worry about it. Nothing would ever happen to you. You know someone could be coming up behind you to like strangle you at any moment. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they do like an independent investigation and go with the findings. Like if there's a rumor that you did it, then you have done it to them. (laughs) Yeah. So stressful to any. (laughs) Okay, so the next family we would not want to be quarantined with is from the book Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. This book is about the Benewski family and they are, they've basically created their own sideshow. The mother intentionally took drugs and things during her pregnancies and her children all have some type of deformity or some type of, let's say, special skill. There are many chapters where Oli looks back on the memories of her family going, you know, around having this sideshow and let's just say other enterprises that they get into uh, through a lens of love and nostalgia. But there are also a lot of toxic behaviors in her family, as you might be able to guess from how they were generated. And her brother Arturo is really in a class by himself when it comes to that. It's kind of a family Stockholm Syndrome type of situation. Like, she loves them, especially Arturo. She really loves her family. But, you know, the situation they were in was something you could tell from the outside you would not want to be a part of. And it's just so weird because you're in their heads. Well, because you get uh, the you know, Elder Benewski's perspective and they really think like they're giving their children like a leg up in the world by having them not be normal and like this is a benefit and like they truly believe this. Yes, they think that, you know, they have created these gifts who will, you know, always have work because they are special they can always perform and just wow (laughs) yeah the fact that they created children purely to exploit themselves (laughs) yeah so i mean and if you think about it if you were quarantined with them um you wouldn't be able to put on the shows and i i think it would be pretty sad and you would lose your income as well (laughs) well even in the books like when it gets to like certain times where they can't perform or they can't make money or they go somewhere and they're not allowed to for whatever reason like tensions start running high oh yes yeah it becomes very stressful (laughs) Uh, so this is one of both of our favorite books (laughs) 
Yes. That I picked up because of I shouted. Yeah, I shouted at you to read it so many times. And, you know, I can't blame you. I'm a mood reader. But, you know, I was like, read Geek Love. I know you're going to like it. Read it. And finally, you listen to me. I feel like it's always so stressful when someone's like, you're going to like this book. Because what if you don't? (laughs) I know. I know. But I I ended up really loving it. So you did good. You we can care. still be friends. Next up is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. And these characters are essentially quarantined. Yeah, <laughs> self, in a way. quarantined <laughs> They're practicing social distancing. Yeah. Because, yeah, they it opens up with, like, Maricat being the one to, like, go into town and get all the groceries. And she's like, yeah, like, it's my job. I'm the one that has to go into town and talk to people and deal with everything while her sister and uncle stay in the house i wish that the people in my town would adhere to that as well as she did (laughs) to send one person out yes not your whole entire family at the grocery store (laughs) we have like signs here at the grocery store we have signs but there's only so much that they can do So the Blackwoods are the pariahs of their neighborhood because of a strange incident that happened a few years ago that left some members of the family dead. Ooh. So uh, a lot of the neighbors aren't sure what to think of the remaining family members. And there's a lot of rumors going around that it was intentional and who was behind it. Uh, so they are very isolated from the town. Have you read this one? I, okay, to be honest, I've started it uh, for some reason. I never finished it, but I do know okay. what happens because of head full yeah. ghosts. Should I talk about how, like, my cat is very, like, naive and kind of, like, regressed socially? Because <laughs> when you reread oh. the book, she talks about being 18, but the tone of her oh, narration, yeah, like she's, yeah she's, like, a child and she's very, like, worried about her sister leaving and wants her sister all to herself and just the way she expects her sister to take care of her is like a child being taken care of yeah yeah I think that's one reason I DNF'd I just felt like I couldn't connect to her I was like what are you doing which is funny because <laughs> you, you're the one who has to go into you town. tend to like child narrators more I know <laughs> yeah I actually kind of love child narrators <laughs> So you would think I would be the one, uh, but I don't know. just didn't really connect with me. I would say upside to this is you do get a big house with only three people. Uh, The downside is everyone is super weird, and one of them might be a murderer. Yeah, that's a big downside. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Roll the dice. Like, is it a a chance you want to take? Next up, we have Sharp Objects by our queen, Gillian Flynn. Yes. So this centers around Camille, who has to go back to her hometown and stay with her estranged mother and family to cover a story she's been assigned about girls that are getting murdered in her hometown. Uh, She has a lot of issues that come up, uh, including her strange sister, her distant and cold mother, and a lot of bad memories. Yeah, she deals with a lot when she goes back there, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, so we'll try to talk around this one, because this is one we you don't want to get spoiled when you read it, but it's a lot. I definitely suggest watching the HBO miniseries. Everyone in that show was bringing their A-game. Yes, everyone is, like, 
I don't know, maybe not how I pictured the characters, but they definitely embodied the characters. It's really well done. Mm. And I don't really like adaptations and things. Like, usually, I think it might be better than the book. And that's not something I usually say. <laughs> um, well, there's one character that I think gets a little more redemption in the miniseries. Not by a lot, but in the book. Just, Just enough. enough. Yeah, I feel like in the book, this character is like treated or is awful. Yeah. And then in the miniseries, like they're still not great, but they're not as awful as they are in the book. Right. Uh, Patricia right. Clarkson plays a wonderful, cold and distant mother, <laughs> which reminds <laughs> me of when she played Tammy One on Parks and Rec. Yes, I was going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> and April. They are kind of the same person to me in my mind. <laughs> That's what she went on to do. Yes. I, yeah, they probably watched her as Tammy one and were like, we need her. But I love that April's like, she's so cold and distant. Like, I wish she was my mother. <laughs> oh, man. And Eliza Scanlon was amazing as the little sister. And I haven't watched the new Little Women, but I'm kind of sad they gave her Beth. Oh. Which I'm like, she could do hmm. so much. <laughs> like, I'm sad she has a role I where know. she doesn't do a whole lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah spoilers for little women i guess but you know she uh she isn't given as much to work with as some of the other she's like she's the the homebody in the book so she doesn't like go out she doesn't have a love interest she doesn't have like literally any ambitions and that's her character it's like i don't want to do anything in middle school my school did the play and uh my best friend was beth and i think she wasn't even in the second act. She got she got to go chill. <laughs> we don't need you anymore. We are done with you. Uh, yeah. I think Amy Adams did get a nomination, but I don't think she won for Sharp Objects, which is yeah. a shame because she was great. Oh, she was amazing. Uh, so again, upside to this, big house. Downside, you are stuck with a toxic mother, a weird sister you hardly know, and a spineless enabler of a father figure. And Yes. Yeah. No. She doesn't want to be there in the first place, and she's not even quarantined. Yeah. She doesn't want to be there. Also, there is a murderer out somewhere in the town. Yes. And uh, Camille copes with this by drinking a lot of alcohol. But if you were quarantined, I mean, I don't know if you could go out and get it. Here you can't. They close the liquor stores here. Uh, but you can get wine and beer at certain grocery stores. Pennsylvania has really weird liquor laws. Uh yeah, you have the state store thing going Yeah, we on. have the state store, like, which is online, but yeah, what? so they only accept, like, I think, like, a few hundred orders a day, and the site gets two million hits a day, <laughs> and so oh, it's a lottery Lord. to see if you can even get in. Like, you can l- try logging in a few times a day, <laughs> and it's just like, maybe you're going to be lucky this time. <laughs> I cannot imagine. We actually live in a state where the restrictions have been pretty uh, severe compared to some other states, but our liquor stores were considered essential. (laughs) We had some open. It's so people don't detox. So, you know, gotta gotta get it somehow. I said you can get wine and beer at grocery stores, but anything other than that, no. And you know, like Ohio (laughs) tightened up their laws so that you have to be an Ohio resident because so many people from Pennsylvania were going <laughs> and like wiping well, see, them that's out. That's what I was thinking. We would just drive to Indiana. Oh my. 
And imagine the resentful trudge through the grocery store to the wine and beer aisle. Like if you <laughs> if you couldn't get your hands on anything. Oh, like I guess this will do. That's so funny that we sell hard liquor at the grocery store. But anyway. Yeah. Well, like the laws here are like so weird. So like my husband was telling me because he works for um, like one of the grocery chains here. And like one of the specific laws here is if you serve wine and beer, you have to have a seating area. So like even the gas stations really? that have it have to have a seating area so you could potentially like crack open a 40 <laughs> and be sitting in the giant eagle drinking beer <laughs> no yeah like all the all the, oh, yeah, the giant eagles that sell beer have like a specified seating area oh that's so funny okay sorry i'm like derailing <laughs> our conversation i just think that's fascinating yep. And I feel like the state store thing is untentable. Like, quick aside, uh, my cousin used to live in Virginia, and she said she had studied abroad in Morocco. She said it was like being back in Morocco, like, on a Sunday when it's a dry state, and (laughs) you can't get any alcohol. It's just, like, so severe. Anyway. Listeners, this has been your education on Pennsylvania liquor laws. Our next pick uh, for a family we would not want to be quarantined with is from White is for Witching by Helen Oyeyemi. Um, This is about, it's a little confusing of a book, but it's about Miranda Silver returning to her family home, which is, let's say, still occupied by generations of trauma in maybe a more literal way than most of us experience when we return home. There's not a lot. Well, I mean, you can say certain things about this book without spoiling it. Anyone who comes in to this house where they live seems to suffer in some way or experience negative things. Miranda seems to be, let's say, interfacing with the house in a way that is not very good for her. <laughs> the house actually narrates parts of the Interesting. book. And yeah, I think that it would be a uh, a pretty stressful situation, and I'm not 100% sure you would make it out okay. The upside would be that you need less food and rations because Miranda has pica, and she's driven to eat things like chalk, clay, and plastic. The downside is that house is going to mess you up. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I would take this one. <laughs> It doesn't seem like there's yeah. much of an upside or a downside. <laughs> well, you know, uh, part of it, without even being quarantined, I feel like they they kind of feel forced to be there. Um, it's possible that parts of the family may still be there without them being able to readily see them. It's very scary, and it's a little bit reminiscent of Hereditary. Ooh. So that is an intense one I do not recommend for quarantine. What, being with the Hereditary family or watching Hereditary? <laughs> oh, being with the Hereditary family. I almost watched Hereditary last night. <laughs> I was just like, I am feeling it. The next family that, well, it's actually not a family. These are a boyfriend and girlfriend, but this is The Cipher by Kathy Koja. Nicholas and Nakota, they live in the same apartment building and they go to their storage area one day and they find that there is a, let's say, weird gap in the ground. Um, it's a little bit confusing to read about, but they call this the fun hole, and they try putting things or 
even living things such as a mouse into said hole and they come back different from how they came in Mm. and not in a good way uh nicholas actually tries putting his hand in there and they try the things you would think of like putting a video camera down there um i think that you know while this may entertain you while you are quarantined i don't think that this is a way (laughs) that you should choose to spend your time <laughs> it's all like in a wall is it in the floor like it's in the floor yeah it's um just a a hole straight down into is it another dimension is it a hellscape is it something else they don't know they're trying to find out and it seems kind of like the hole is wanting them to find out in some way but when things come out different are they like worse different like pet cemetery different oh yeah then why? Yeah. Like, I could um, understand if it's, like, you come back, like, more <laughs> awesome, but <laughs> things are coming back worse. Like, I don't want to know. I mean, you have to find out what's at the bottom of it, Stephanie. No, I don't. I need gram six. Like, too much risk. <laughs> we need a... I guess they were fives. They were uh, the investigator type for this situation. <laughs> like, safety first. Absolutely not. I uh, I maybe forgot to mention that I believe they're artists and a friend of theirs wants to make like a film mm. uh, in in the fun hole. So, you know, uh, people always have their motivations yeah. when it comes to something like that. How, have haunted house stories told us nothing? Yeah. There's always a reason. <laughs> anyway, that is The Cypher by Kathy Koja. The next family that I would definitely not want to be quarantined with is in The Other by Thomas Tryon. This family consists of, you know, the nuclear family. I believe the aunt is there. And Niles and Holland are twins who live there on this beautiful house with land and outbuildings. It's like a house in the country. But, you know, the family is kind of suffocating and there's something going on with these twins They always have each other to talk to, but it seems like there's always some kind of drama going on around them or accidents that seem to happen when they are around. I just feel like, you know, they might not be fully in touch with reality and it might not be safe to be quarantined with them. So are the twins like in the evil children subgenre? One of them is. The other one uh, is supposedly not now like there is a big spoiler that i think is pretty guessable um but you know for spoiler reasons i think that i shouldn't specify what's what's up with them but you know the narrative is that one of them is evil and he's influencing the other interesting which i don't think is great you know like if your twin is evil and is you know setting up pranks or other accidents then the other one is going to be involved and that's just a whole other person to be uh (laughs) involved in this situation i think that maybe we should all keep our distance so that's the other by thomas Tryon. um i also just wanted to touch on flowers in the attic (laughs) i don't feel like i can get through this episode without mentioning flowers in the attic because you know they were uh kind of in quarantine in the book Mm -hmm. so uh, you know, the Dollingangers, I guess we sh- I should go through quickly. The Dollinganger children, after their father dies in an accident, are taken by their mother to 
her family's home. She was, in fact, uh, disowned from her family. But the idea is that the grandmother will hide the four Dollinganger children in the attic. And the grandmother is not happy about doing this. She's actually very mean to the children. But uh, the idea is that the mother will then go downstairs and work on winning the grandfather's trust back and getting her re-inherited into the family. So then they will never have to worry and they won't have to worry about their father being dead and they will have a great life in this huge house. This doesn't go well. (laughs) And it's to the point where I would put this in the horror category. Not supernatural, but it is pretty bad and messed up. And let's just say that they are quarantined for quite a while, even though there was no virus going on at that time. I've not read the book. I have only seen the Kieran and Shipka adaptation. (laughs) (laughs) I like stumbled upon it one day and I was like, this is horrifying. Yeah. I mean, I think they make some changes. There are some things that happen in the book or in the series, frankly, that could not really be on TV or at least couldn't back when the adaptation was made. Um, but, you know, it I is, don't know. it gets pretty there bad. Are some, some dynamics that I was like, how is this okay <laughs> to be hunting? Yeah. <laughs> I would say like, yeah, if you've read Flowers in the Attic, you know what I'm referring to. Or <laughs> I think like the, oh yeah, the reputation, yeah, the reputation it. that it has. <laughs> Just why, why are we going here? <laughs> In fact, they really needed to not be quarantined. That's kind of the whole <laughs> the whole idea. They need to get out, get away. Although I feel like the suggestion in the rest of the series is that there was this pull, you know, and I don't know. It was kind of something was fated to happen. So anyway, right. <laughs> uh, Flowers in the Attic, self-quarantine champions. If you had to pick one of these families... Oh, no. A lot of them, you're under threat of death. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, are we saying that we're like a guest or are we saying that we have to be born to these parents and live with them? I would say in this scenario, we are guests that were brought into this situation. (laughs) I feel like if we're guests, possibly we can get by in geek love, you know, because we we won't have the, the whole... Uh, lineage that the other children have going on possibly we could even make our own our own little show you know we could be the patrons and they could do their talents for us um would be a little a little terrifying (laughs) i mean in the book there are uh, a horde of unwanted guests that become a drain on the resources and they are not looked kindly upon (laughs) No, that is true. Yeah. I mean, I guess I assumed that if we're quarantined that they invited us, but maybe that's a a very wrong assumption. (laughs) Maybe I should go with sharp objects because, you know... I was thinking that. Yeah, it is a really beautiful house. You can try to stay under the radar and like the dad did it. The dad... I'm saying chill with the dad. Listen to some records. Oh, it's really toxic that we both thought of the same thing. Like the same strategy and we are being the enabler that's that's not good no but i'm like who is someone that seems to like escape the wrath of everyone 
just seems to <laughs> skate by. Just lock yourself in the other room, put some headphones on, and literally tune everything out. Yes. <laughs> we could get some of those headphone splitters and just all be plugged into our own headphones. Yeah. So that has been families we would not want to be stuck in quarantine with. Please let us know who you would pick. So Laura, do you have a chilling obsession? I do have a chilling obsession. The chilling obsession is the 1995 movie Safe with Julianne Moore. Um, she's really incredible in it. It's basically about how she her body starts reacting to toxins in the environment. And she has these horrible coughing fits or health issues. And she's really, really struggling. It's taking a toll on her mental health. And she starts going on kind of a, a quest to be in a pure environment. She goes to some pretty big extremes. I started thinking about this movie before uh, quarantine and COVID became such a huge thing, you know, when it was just ramping up. And I was like, oh, you know, that reminds me of this. And you know what? <laughs> I don't want to be in the movie safe anymore. <laughs> uh it's it's just too scary um and you know not saying it's not necessary in this case this is more julianne moore is more concerned about things that may or may not really be there but you know it's it's not fun when it's really there i've never even heard of this movie i thought you were talking about um the netflix series safe Oh, no. Yeah. Like, I, I saw Safe on Netflix and I got all excited, but now I had to go back to my DVD. It's, um, I hadn't heard of it until a few years ago. It's a, a Criterion film, oh. I think. And I watched it at my fancy, friend's house. Fancy. So, yeah. just like, uh, I believe Armageddon is a Criterion film. So, hold it to that. We can't have Armageddon be our chilling obsession. Although, also very scary. So, Stephanie, do you have a chilling obsession? So, I was going to say Parasite because I watched it on Hulu a few days ago and yes. I absolutely loved it's so it. Um, I don't think anyone has not heard of it at this point. It won the Academy Award for Best Picture. <laughs> like, I don't feel like that's yes. under the radar pick. <laughs> like, you never would have guessed. Um, well deserved so i will put my plug in it that you all need to watch it it is on hulu right now or rent it whatever it's good um i was a little <laughs> worried because did you watch snowpiercer by bong joon yes. okay that to me like was a great movie tough hang like yes. not not a fun time <laughs> and we were talking before right. this that i have a hard time putting on movies that are not a fun time like i think mm. even some most horror i feel like could still be a fun time <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's like, true. it was just, like, a little bleak. And I like, listen, we were talking about this. I like bleak sometimes. Nothing about my taste makes sense. It all contradicts each other. <laughs> but anyway, people said this was a black comedy. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Weren't we just talking about Hereditary? <laughs> I love Hereditary. It has some cool moments. I weirdly do not consider that Great a topic. <laughs> I don't consider that, like, a sad hang. Mm. That is, Stephanie, that's disturbing. I'm going to have to check on your children. <laughs> I just mean, like, I don't think it's a bummer. It's, like, horrifying, but it's not, like, a bummer of a movie. According to Stephanie's personal feelings, it is not a bummer. <laughs> like I said, it's horrifying, and, like, my heart is racing. I'm not like, wow, everything kind of sucks. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you about a snow piercer is definitely, I don't know. Yeah, I enjoy a toughing. <laughs> uh, I am Scorpio, but uh, I had a good time with the tough hang. I really felt like, wow, like they made this movie for me. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> watching these characters, uh, some of the performances in it, I just, and the way it was shot very beautifully, I, I really, really loved it I don't <laughs> too know. much. It's honestly. like The Wire where I'm like, Oh, these are like societal problems. Yeah. That sucks. I'm sad about them it's now. It's a metaphor. But like Parasite, yeah. I'm like, these are societal problems. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> I don't know. Like, listen, yeah, you can't. The, there's too many. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, there's feelings I want to have and feelings I don't want to have. And sometimes they're the same feelings, so I understand. And yeah, Bong Joon-ho likes class issues. And I just feel like a little little more fun <laughs> of a hang. I will go ahead and tell everyone, the dogs in the movie do not die. I looked that up beforehand on DoesTheDogDie.com. I also watched this film at the same friend's house that I watched Safe at. And as it was starting, I was like, I have to look up these dogs. I need to be prepared. And uh, it's, yes, it was like, they're all safe. And one of them even gets to eat a delicious sausage at the end of the movie. Yum, yum. That made me happy. So my actual chilling obsession, I actually just watched a few (laughs) minutes ago before recording this. Like, I I just had time to kill. And I'm like, this looks fun. Um. It's a movie called Witch Hunt from 2017, and it takes place over a dinner party. So five girlfriends are getting together uh, for one of their birthdays, and the girl that's hosting it uh, brought a game that the birthday girl loves called Witch Hunt, which is like a 90s card game. It has like a cassette tape that goes with it, and it's a lot like... Have you ever played Mafia? I haven't. Well, maybe way long ago, but I actually have played Werewolf, okay, yeah. which is the same. Yeah, premise. so I was going to say, it's like Mafia or Werewolf. Yeah, where it's like, okay, now like villagers, close your eyes. Like this person, open your eyes. Like do this. Um, it's kind of scary, even in real life, like under the best of circumstances. <laughs> I'm horrible at Werewolf because I like always have a smile in those situations. So no one ever believes yeah. me. And I'm like, I'm not it, guys. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I look very suspicious is the problem. Yeah, I just look guilty. I do too. I have a guilty face. They start playing this game and things start escalating and they all start turning on each other, which if you've listened to this podcast, you know that that phrase is like catnip to me is like put people in like a close yep. environment and have them start turning on each other. <laughs> it's my favorite <laughs> horror premise ever. <laughs> Um, they start bringing things up from the past and you see that like one of the girls is very uncomfortable with just the whole premise for the game and there's things from their shared past that maybe touch on satanic panic and yeah it's really interesting this was like a super low budget movie that I just don't think had like a lot of um advertising or anything it flew under the radar but I was really impressed by it because I feel like I start a lot of low budget movies and I don't finish them because I'm like "Eh," like I don't care (laughs) but this one yeah it caught my attention and I finished it and was really pleasantly surprised by it um the tone is a little more B movie like I feel like it could be one of the into the dark like Hulu type movies 
but I thought really well done. It is on Amazon Prime right now, and it is called Witch Hunt. Cool. I will check that out. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. We are on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, and at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at Books in the Freezer.com. We are also on Patreon at Books in the Freezer if you wanted to support the podcast. Uh, Something fun we've been doing during this whole quarantine is having uh, Patreon movie nights uh, where I put some options out and people vote for a movie we want to watch on Netflix and we use Netflix Watch Party and kind of watch it all live together and chat. So, so far we've watched uh, The Invitation and Hush and as of recording this week, tomorrow, we are watching Train to Busan, which is the first time I'm watching it. Uh, so that's something fun we've been doing for our 3 and $5 Patreon supporters. And if you are a $1 Patreon supporter, you get the episodes two days in advance. So on Sunday instead of Tuesday. And you get to know what the topic is before the episode is dropped. You can also support the show by clicking on our Amazon link that I will leave in the show notes. So something fun that someone bought using the Amazon link is a three-quarter sleeve shirt that says, I'm magical, and it has a unicorn in front of a rainbow. It's very fun. (laughs) You click on the link, and you just use Amazon like you normally would and buy anything, and it does help support the show. But if you're looking for a free way to support the show, you don't have to spend any money. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share about us on social media. It all helps spread the word. I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya or on Instagram at That's What She Read. That's with two A's or on YouTube at That's What She Read. Laura, do you want people to find you online or not? <laughs> they can if they want to, but I'm, I don't have a platform. I'm just a person. I am kitten nuisance on most things. You're more than a person. You're a friend. Wow. What are the responsibilities of being a friend versus a person? <laughs> You just get leveled up. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Anyway, join us next time for Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 